Welcome to Tennis Coach Todd, the podcast. Today, my guest is Goran Zovko. He's the head of high performance at the Oster and Victor Tennis Alberta Center in Calgary, Alberta. Hey, Goran, how's it going? Great. Thanks, Todd. Thanks for having me. No problem. And so um, just tell me a little bit about the, the high performance program you guys have out there, the Oster and Victor uh, Alberta Tennis Center in Calgary. What, um, what's it all about? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, the high performance program at, uh, at the ATC was pretty well established when I arrived in 2018. Um, a few of Alberta's top players in each category were training there already. So I felt my job was to push them to continue achieving their goals. Uh, since arriving, we continue to encourage a hardworking atmosphere with athletes and families that are super committed to their development. So um, it's, you know, it's a pretty, pretty, pretty big group, but um, yeah, it's, it's a very committed bunch of um, athletes and it's fun to work with. Excellent. So you said it's a pretty big group. What, um, how many players and what are the age ranges you're dealing with at the high performance there? Yeah. So we have 25 plus players uh, that ra- uh, range in the age of uh, nine to 17. Um, and yeah, it, it kind of goes below that. We have what it's called kind of our next gen. Um, so they're training a little bit less than our high performance kids are, but it's kind of just slowly kind of building their, their level uh, to the point where they're committed enough and, and, and wanting to join the, the high performance group. Right, right. So I guess your 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 upper echelon players. I mean, how many weeks of, uh, sorry, how many hours per week are they training? So they have the uh, option of training about fourteen hours a week if they're if they're doing one training session a day, and we train six days a week. So um, you know, the, the the top top players with us are about twelve to fourteen hours a week. Okay, and do you find that that's probably about the right range, or would you? Would you say some of the, the, the higher ones need a little bit more than that? Like what's your, what's your personal thoughts? Yeah, my feeling is, is it's, it's, you know, it's all dependent on the player's goals. Um, for the goals that we have uh, kind of with our players in, in, in the program, um, you know, they range from achieving a Div 1 scholarship down in the States to, to some of our players even want to go pro. So, um, you know, with those hours combined with the amount of private work they're doing, and hopefully the amount of uh, set play and practice sets that they're doing, um, yeah, it's right right in the range that I that I think is necessary. Well, that's good. Now you mentioned also that your your younger players, you call them the next gen. Um, what um, what age do you think it's um, it's good or maybe not good? But what's what's a realistic age for for players and more importantly parents to start thinking about putting their kids in what we call like a high performance? Yeah, good question. I mean, for me, the age isn't quite as important as the the moment time the player and parent decide. They want to be competing every weekend. That they're they're committed enough to 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 want to spend extra time on the court. Um, I mean, we see the families that that tend to tend to go above and beyond and and practice after their actual schedule practices. So when you start to see that, and uh, they're really wanting to kind of Im- improve their their tournament play, that's when I feel is like a perfect time to to get in, involved in a high performance program. Because um, I, I'd say then our role as a high performance coach is to improve their performance. Right. So it's not necessarily it's not an age. It's more of a, um, a commitment level. What um, what everyone's doing. So there could be six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. But it's like more of you know when the when the parents and the child's uh, 
I guess, goals kind of mesh, then that would be the right time. Completely, completely agree. Yeah, that's exactly it. Right, right. Good. Now, I know as well, you played quite a bit as a kid. I mean, you played, um, you know, um, you know, in Vancouver and BC level, you also played over in Europe. Yeah. Now, I guess as a player, talking a bit for about you as a player in your playing career, who influenced you the most as you're as a player? Yeah, nice. Uh, so for me, uh, you know, starting tennis a little bit later, uh, I was a big, mm-hmm. big soccer player um, and played high performance pretty much all the way through until I was about 12 years old. Um, I had a number of soccer players that were kind of my, my big influences, some Croatian players, cause I am Croatian background. Yeah. Uh, there's like, this is one of your Boban, but I also like players like Ronaldinho and Ronaldo, uh, the famous right. Brazilians. And then hockey wise, I, I liked, uh, Joe Sakic. Um, right. and then later on, Goran Ivanisevic was a huge influence, um, you know, w- winning the first uh, male Grand Slam for a Croatian was awesome when he finally took it down in Wimbledon. Um, having right. said that, his opponent in that final match uh, really, really loved watching Pat Rafter. Uh, just just what, what a great person he was as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like I say, and I think that's important for, for all players to realize. And that was I like the point you brought up that no matter what sport you're playing, um, you can you can emulate or try to emulate the, the workings of many different athletes in many different sports, because the one thing that's true, no matter what sport you're playing is their, their dedication, how much they train their personalities and, and what they put in. Definitely. It. Definitely. think you can, you can, yeah. Take inspiration from so many different fields. Mm-hmm. Now, now you've been coaching now, gee, must be what um, close coming on. 20, almost 20 years, like 15, 20 years. Almost- yeah. Exactly. Almost 15, 20 years. So you've been out there a while. So now as your is your coaching career, I mean, you, you've had different coaches and you've had different people um, that you've worked for, but I guess who's had a, maybe the biggest influence on you as a coach? Yeah, great question. I mean, uh, as a coach, I've had so many different influential mentors. Um, started off with a Croatian guy named Ivo Leach. He, uh, he coached uh, the current number five ATP doubles player, Nikola Mektic. He's, uh, he's in the quarters now with uh, Pavic. Uh, they're playing mm-hmm. tomorrow night. And uh, so it was pretty cool to see, see him coach, coach Nikola. And he helped me out when I was still trying to, trying to kind of make my way into the pro circuit. Um, so right. he was a big influence. And then later on, um, I had two, two, two uh, mentors that I worked for, Wayne Elderton and Larry Jurevich. Um, they were right. both, you know, hugely influential in, in ca- Canadian tennis and still still continue to be. And then uh, just drew, drew inspiration from team sport coaches as well, Phil Jackson to, to Sir Alex Ferguson with uh, Manchester United. So, yeah, just, you know, obviously um, – you you begin to understand how uh, how important uh, it is to have people like that in your life and uh, how much you can draw from them. Yeah, no, that's great. Like I said, it is very important to be able to see different people and different in different times of your life and how the little things that they've they've done for you to help you come along. Sure. Now, when um, if we if we go back to some of the high performance um, players and we talk about the, the players that you're coaching and stuff. You know, a lot of parents say, well, you know, tournaments are everything and anything. Other parents say, well, it's not so important. I just wanted to have fun. But where do you view the importance of, of tournaments in, in play for these high-performance kids? Yeah, I mean, I think tournaments are a, a huge part of it. Um, and, you know, you, you see some of the outliers like the Williams sisters where they really didn't compete in tournaments until they were a little bit further on. 
Um, but for me, the large majority um, of pro players and, and NCAA players and players that take it kind of to a higher level are competing, competing a lot when, when they're younger. Um, so to me, it's like, that's kind of what inspires players to train. Like, you know, if, 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 if they compete every weekend or, or, or close to, um, that's what really draws the, the, the commitment and the, the passion through their training throughout the weeks. Um, so to me, I'd say like, you know, even, even if they do, you know, two to five practice sets as a minimum for a U12 player and continue to add on to that as they go, maybe one or two sets per age category, uh, I think it's crucial. Right. Now, I guess it's, um, I guess within that tournament play, there's a, there's two or three things that come important. One is the, the commitment to being, to playing the tournaments, also having that little bit of pressure. And would you say that also um, just building some mental strength at that early age would be important? Big time. Yeah. I mean, um, kind of in our methodology, a big part is, is uh, you know, the person's ability to perform under pressure, um, their ability to focus and their ability to compete no matter what. Um, so, you know, in everything we do in our training, I feel a, a portion of the mental side of it uh, is, is always included. And it's such a, such a crucial part of the game. Right. Now, and again, like I say, a lot of times, um, you know, it's part of a society that we are now. I mean, kids of all ages are starting to specialize in, in one sport at an earlier and earlier age. And it seems like they're kind of drifting away. But do you think that maybe we need to step back and maybe get um, kids, especially in tennis, involved in other sports? And if that is the case, what other sports do you think would help uh, help their training? Yeah, uh, I think it's it's hugely important uh, to to play, you know, a couple of different sports when you're younger and, and, and see, you know, which it is that you really enjoy the most. Um, and, you know, it, definitely the, the more athletic development they, they have away from the tennis court, uh, the faster they're going to pick up their skills. I mean, for me, you, you look at the top players in the world, it seems like soccer is a huge, a huge part of their life uh, as, as they're developing. Now, that might be because they're from European and South American um, you know, countries. Then you look at you look at the U.S. and a lot of the players that that uh, end up going to a higher level. They're playing basketball and they're playing baseball. So it's yeah. you know I, I I think that there's a lot of transfer of skills between those sports that I just mentioned. But that's just you know a little bit from my personal um, you know what I've experienced and seen. And, uh, you know, I think, I think the bottom line is that spending the time away from the tennis court will, will help them both mentally and obviously with that athletic development. Right. And well, that's a lot of, and I think I agree with you there, I mean, because the most important thing for a lot of young athletes is not necessarily to be great at one sport. That's it. That's important, but not early on, but it's to, to have the, the, the physical fitness, to have the coordination, to have the skill set to realize, okay, this is what I need to do in this situation. And that can't always be best emulated necessarily on, on the court. So like you say, maybe with, uh, with soccer, having the, the footwork, the movement, um, basketball, having the cross steps, the different things. So putting that all together is only going to build a stronger For sure. Athlete. For sure. I mean, you, you, you know yourself with, with your hockey background, how, how uh, it transfers and, you know, you, you, mm -hmm. you talk to, to athletes back in the day and they, they used to, you know, really only play their sport for portions of the year and the rest of the time they were playing other sports. So 
you know, it's it, it's definitely evolved and changed, as you said there earlier, with the way society is going, where where there's early earlier specialization. But uh, I definitely always still encourage players to play those other sports. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I like that. Now, when we talk a little bit about you personally now, and this is with personally with coaching now, what does um what does high performance coaching mean to you? That's a great question. Um, for me, you know, high performance in itself is again. Uh, being able to push the player's performance when, the, when they're out there competing. Um, it starts off, you know, at, at the earlier stages, I think the, the main, main goal for the coach is to, to develop a passion and a love for the sport. Um, and then as they get, get older and, and they're really committed to the sport and they love it, I think at that point, it's, it's really helping them stay inspired, find ways to inspire them to push their performance, push the standard that they're used to. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, I think, in a sense, what, what our job is as, as high-performance coaches. Um, yeah. Right. Good. I like that. And again, um, so related to that, what would you say is your overall coaching, I guess, high performance coaching philosophy or even just coaching philosophy? For sure. I mean, that, that that's a question that could take a while to answer. But, um, you know, <laughs> for me, uh, you know, I like to listen to players coming off losses, like the pro players, when you hear them in interviews, you know, a big part of forming my philosophy is hearing them talk about the character, focusing on what they have control over, never giving up. When you hear those types of things, you realize that that's that's in a sense, you know, what you need to be helping develop in these in these people that you're coaching. Um, so th- therefore, I I just believe in a development of a person that can handle anything as as the main priority. Uh, and then this is developed with us through a vessel of the player's tactical and technical development, putting them in tough situations and training, and you know, helping them them push through it. Right. Right. And again, like you say, at the um, at the at your center there, I mean, you have a lot of kids coming through and a lot of players, some coming through and so on. So, when you when you start to look at a at a junior at whatever age they are, what are what are some of the key things that you look at when you're looking at it for a new player, or I guess when you start to work with them, what are some of the key yeah, things? Good you're question. For? I, I I first of all look for how dialed in they are. Um, an, another mentor okay. of mine, uh, Oded Jacob, who. Uh, who's the uh, Tennis Canada uh, coach for uh, Western Canada. Big thing he talks about is the eyes and seeing how, how dialed in they are and how, how hungry they are for, for the ball that's coming at them. So that's a big thing. How athletic they are is, is a huge part as well. That's something that can obviously be developed, but you're, you're hoping that they have some uh, physical literacy that, that'll help them along. Um, if I see them bring the appropriate level in those aspects, then I'm then uh, seeing them in points is really key. Seeing how they compete, um, do they do they run for every ball? That's a, that's a big part. Um, again, it can be taught, but it's a it's a big thing that I that I look for, and it, it really helps the player if they have that naturally, and then you can just foster it at a higher level. Um, I look for aspects of their game that will help them win now, uh, currently in their tournaments, but also help them win in the future. Um, getting a sense of how a player learns is super important as well. And then kind of taking it from there. Right. So basically you're looking for like a, a pretty good piece of clay that you can kind yeah, of Yeah, that's a great way to look on. at it for sure. 
Got it. Now, I mean, with any sport, and again, this is part of society, how it's changed over the years from, you know, many, many, many years when I was a kid and a few yep. years ago when you were a kid. But, you know, especially within individual sports, the dropout rate's becoming higher and higher. And, you know, it's more and more important that coaches try and find ways to keep um, the kids involved. And now with your programs and your performance as well, what are some of the things or some of the ideas you've, you've thought about or, you know, have you thought about about trying to keep kids um, engaged and, and staying in the yeah, sport? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um when, when we've, you know, in, in these difficult times, especially, we, we kind of keep racking our brains around finding better solutions for that. Um, yeah, the dropout rate is, is, is so high. Um, for, for me, the big thing is uh, kind of creating a, uh, a culture and an atmosphere at the club where the players really feel like they want to spend all their free time there. Um, be it off the court, having a relationship with the player where they understand that they can come to you with, with things not related to tennis. Um, for us, it's, yeah, really just, just building the relationship is such a key factor in keeping them, them motivated, keeping them staying in through those tough times where we know, we know the teenagers are going to go through their moments where it's like, man, I, I just don't see any, any reason for continuing this. We've, we've been through it, but it's like, if they feel that they, they, uh, they belong as part of a team, as part of like a group that's going to continue through the hard times, I feel that's, that's a huge way of keeping, keeping players in the sport, um, to one degree or another. And I guess you could say that, that, um, being part of a team, being, making a culture a group to belong i guess that could even extend into the, the definitely definitely it's uh it's building you know we call it kind of the triangle the coaching triangle where it's the coach the player and the parents um without that it's just so hard to to go through that this huge journey that you're on really it's a marathon if you're if you're going to be in tennis for 10 15 years um it's it's definitely you know helping the parents see the vision um, and helping the, the, the players, you know, stay motivated along that, that path. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like I say, because it really is all three, because you've got to have, and I like that, that, uh, triangle or the pyramid that you talked about, because it is really, you know, the parents are the ones who are taking the kids to practice. The parents are the ones who are financially, um, you know, responsible or for they're at least financially involved in a big time in that. And, you know, with the coach as well, I'll have to be kind of on the same page working together. Otherwise one part of the pyramid breaks, um, the whole for thing sure. comes crumbling for sure. down. So true. Good. Yeah. Now um, we are, I guess, what do we about, we're almost a year into this pandemic COVID thing here. Um, so that's really, you know, thrown a real big wrench at a lot of uh, the training um, I know that, you know, across the country and everything, especially you guys in Alberta got hit hard for a while there and were closed down. But, um, you know, we talked about, you know, high performance and we earlier we talked about in the importance of tournaments. Um, what are some of the adaptations or one of the some of the things that you've had to um, do to keep the players motivated? When yeah, it's uh, it's been been difficult on all fronts. Um, and yeah, we've we've been away from tournaments now for exactly a year now uh, so we've been hit pretty much the hardest out of out of all the provinces in the country so you know it, a, a big part of it was just kind of responding the way we could we we held some UTR events um, at our club uh, when we were allowed to allow players from other clubs to join 
we then, when we weren't allowed that any longer, we did some inner club competition. Um, our goal was to start a box league and we we're just getting that started before the second, um, the second closing. So um, yeah, it's just about adapting. I mean, it's, 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 it's like we try and instill in our players. It's, you know, take control of what you have, you know, in front of you. Um, and for us, it's been just, okay, we can't, we can't do, uh, official tournament blocks anymore and, and, and tournaments on the weekends. So we're doing our best to keep our leagues going, our box leagues going, uh, to keep those competitive juices flowing. It's, it's, it's tough, but, uh, we, we've, we've found ways to adapt and, and, and we'll do the same going forward. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Yeah, it has been tough. And like I say, I guess the one thing that, you know, in years and years, later on we can always look back and say you know hey kids remember during that COVID you couldn't do this that or whatever it's like well now you know it's life doesn't seem as as hard on it as well so it's something that we can you know out of the positives from all this we can try and say hey this is going to start to build some character and mental toughness if nothing else yeah yeah no go ahead go ahead please yeah so now you are the head of high performance at the alberta tennis center um what or how have you structured your program? I mean, I know you've been responsible for putting a lot of it together, even though, we, you know, it was, it was pretty well established when you stepped in. I'm sure that, you know, knowing you and the experience you had, I'm, I'm sure you had a big imprint or big footprint on on how you structured it. So um, how have you made some changes or what are some of the structures? Yeah, you set up there? Um, you know, uh, first off, I, I, I'd like to say that the team has been awesome to, to, to help kind of the coaching team has been a great um a great bunch of uh, coaches from basically all around the world. Um, we have players from, I think it's nine or, or 10 different countries, which is pretty cool to, to get that experience from all over the world. So it's been an awesome team to kind of guide, guide along the way. Um, first off, we, you know, we're a commitment based club um, because we believe that the more you commit to something, the better you'll get. Um, so, you know, it was instilling that, adding a few extra group training options uh, was a big thing for me because we, we were a four day a week program and now we're a six day a week program, which I thought was, was, um, was crucial to help the kids, you know, spend more time on the court. Um, our goal is to eventually get to a point where, you know, the kids can be dropped off in the morning and spend the whole afternoon there. If, if, if they're, um, if they're, uh, you know, not at school full day. So, um, that, that's been a big part of it. Uh, supplementary are the private lessons. Of course, uh, we make annual plans for the players, both individually and as a group. Um, that's, that, that's, that's been a big part so that the players can see, okay, where are they starting and where are they finishing six to eight weeks down the road? Um, our, our training days are kind of structured in a fundamental volume training. We call it, uh, it's practicing all the shots they typically hit in a match. And then on top of that, we do about 45 minutes of what we call a tactical portion, a tactical breakdown. That's what I was talking about earlier is they, we test them at the beginning. And then about six weeks later, we test them again after we've trained the different tactical situations over and over again, each training session and, and put that into some match play. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the, the structure of our program and the slight changes that we made since arriving. Right. No, and that's good. Like I say, I think sometimes, and um, you know, I'm, I'm 
kind of familiar with you. I mean, we've talked about this in the past and so on. And so I, I kind of understand what you're saying there, but it's almost, let's say, it's almost like, um, you know, when you think about it, I mean, there's a lot of big words in there, but basically it was kind of like breaking it down into its basics and making it fairly. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's the players that, that, that we're coaching and um, uh, they're, they're going to learn all a different, you know, speeds, et cetera. But um, you know, if we can, if we can oversimplify things for them and then just allow them to have lots of repetitions in whatever we're doing, that's kind of what we've, we found is the best, best route to go. Excellent. Now, as being a high performance coach, what is one, I guess, one or two or any of the, the biggest challenges you find? Wow. That's a loaded question. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> I, th- I think the, the, the biggest challenge typically comes down to the relationship. It's, it's, it's um, having understanding of, you know, based off of their goals, um, kind of doing the right amount of, uh, of training, the right amount of tournament play. And then with that comes the, the commitment of the coach. How, much, how many tournament matches a year are you watching of your player? And then, you know, when, when that breaks down and, and, and there's a slight disconnect between what the, the parents, the player and the coach feel, I feel that's very difficult. And so it's kind of having an understanding of, okay, the players out there on their own competing. So therefore it's really important that they, um, you know, take that ownership on themselves. And, and sometimes I feel like parents feel that we can do everything for them. Whereas it's really important that the, the player themselves create this, this level of, you know, self-sufficiency and, uh, and independence. So, um, we really foster that that uh, importance of maturity for the players, and so yeah, I guess I guess you know, long story short, there is um, the relationships. The relationships are always key to keep uh, keep fostering, keep developing, and um, you know, when when there is a bit of an, a misunderstanding, you hope to kind of you know discuss it right away so that it doesn't doesn't foster on in the wrong direction. Yeah, absolutely. Now, and I guess, you know, and, and, and part of dealing with those relationships comes, you know, the, 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 the truth and the honest fact is that, you know, sometimes, you know, expectations, dreams and reality don't always line up. So how do you handle that type of situation when, you know, you've got this relationship with the coach and the parent and, you know, maybe there comes a point when the dreams and the reality, um, aren't going to maybe align in something you see, how do you, yeah, I, that's a, always a tough one. It's for me, you know, coming from uh, a country that's like so big in, into tennis, uh, where as in Croatia, uh, they, you know, they foster this mentality of it's okay to keep shooting for pro until your mid twenties, late twenties. Whereas I feel like it's, uh, it's, it's not quite as accepted in, in North America. I feel like it's a, you know, a certain point you kind of have to make up your mind and, 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 you know, decide on whether you're going to go to this university or that university. Um, and so for me, it's like, I, I, I never want to kill the dream. Often the players themselves kind of get to a point when they're in their mid teens and they see that, okay, I might not be able to go pro, but I'm going to keep shooting for a college scholarship. So yeah, the big thing for me is, is not, not killing the dream, but keep, you know, helping them shoot for the stars. And, uh, you know, along the way, they're, mm-hmm. they're typically going to understand uh, where, where their limit is, where their ceiling is. 
Um, and then, you know, just to add to that, there definitely are some people who are where there's a disconnect between their goals and where they really are. Those are, those are pretty tough there. You have to kind of, you know, through your relationship with them, help them understand that's, you know, maybe adjusting their goals and where they should be shooting for is, is, uh, better for everyone. Right. You know, I think, you know, that, that last part you were talking about that, you know, not let, not killing a dream and so on. I think that really, and, you know, just listening to you talk about that, I think that really comes down to, you know, maybe saying that is the essence of a high performance coach is, is really being able to do all those things and see those things, but, you know, to foster them and to, to keep the dream alive. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's all, all in the perspective of the person that's, you know, I've, I've talked to some, former tennis tennis professionals that uh, ended up you know becoming tennis directors at clubs and you know when a when a player starts talking about going to college for instance they're like what do you mean college like what why don't why don't you still keep trying to go pro keep keep uh, shooting for you know playing the futures and challengers and uh then then you just see you know if, if they have the belief in you then the player is willing to do it and yeah so it's 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 yeah helping them really shoot for for the highest goals and and they kind of then find where their place is in it right right good oh good 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 that sounds really good and like i say it's a it's a tough one now now before like i say before i let you go i appreciate all your time i won't hold you up too much longer i've got a couple more questions for you here so if you're thinking about it you say this can be anywhere in the world and again this can be that what or who is your favorite <laughs> sports team I remember you, uh, you, you live in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So just giving a heads up there, but anyways, I love that. That's, that's a loaded question for sure. Um, exactly. Depends on the sport. I mean, for me, the biggest, the biggest club in the world is Dinamo Zagreb. Most, most of the listeners here are not going (laughs) to even know who that is. It's a, it's a soccer team in, in Croatia. Uh, but you know, as a hockey fan, uh, the Vancouver Canucks are my number one, even though I live in Calgary now. Uh, everyone gives me a hard time about it. Uh, the fact that the Flames have, have one cup and the Canucks have zero, it, uh, it hurts me every time the conversation is brought mm-hmm. up. But I, uh, I, can't, uh, I can't say I'm going to jump on anybody else's bandwagon. There we go. Okay, so you got it down to those few, anyways. Okay, well, that's good enough. And like I say, for Don, for for Dinamo Zagreb, I'm sure there'll be a few people googling that, anyways, to find out who they're all about <laughs> and what uh, what they do, anyway. So that's pretty good. Are they um are they are they playing right now? Is that what's the league? Yeah, it was uh, it was like shut down for fans, um, but they are playing and uh, they're yeah. top of the league again in Croatia, which is fun to watch, and they're uh, into what would it be the round of 32 of the Europa League, so. Um, yeah, I think their next game is Thursday, uh, next round of the Europa League. So they're still playing. Um, hopefully we can, you know, get to a, a point where uh, it'll be safe enough for, for fans to watch in the stadium. Yeah, that would be good. That's good, good, good. Um, now, second question here to give you uh, a little bit. <laughs> favorite singer. That's a good one. Uh, favorite singer. And remember, like I said, if you're if you're BSing me a bit, I have a bit of a knowledge here, so I can always I might challenge you. <laughs> I have an idea who it might be. Wow, uh, I mean, is it wrong? Is it ever wrong to say Elton John? <laughs> <laughs> you can say that, but I'm pretty sure it's not. 
your answer. Anyway, That's fantastic. Favorite singer. My goodness. I feel like we've known each other for a while, but this is, this is another one you're trying to catch me on and, and you, you get, you stumped me. Oh, oh no. Just, <laughs> no, no. Just That's incredible. Uh, I'm going to go with hmm, favorite singer. Honestly, I like Alicia Keys. Yeah. Uh, I like Adele okay. and yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to stick to Elton John yep. as my top three. There we go. Okay, so the hip hop <laughs> days are far behind you. I can see, hey. Oh, uh, we're, we're talking. No we're talking uh, singers, that, not uh, not hip hop artists. Yeah, then 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 we definitely go Biggie or Pac. So <laughs> That's right. Artists, not singers. You've heard it here from G. All right. Uh, last couple of questions here, G. Um, Calgary Stampede. Did you get a chance to see uh, it? Any yes. time out there? Uh, yes or no? The first year I was here, I went to a concert. I didn't go to the full, the full, you know, the um, uh, the, the 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 Stampede grounds themselves, unfortunately. But uh, I went to one concert, yes. and it's uh, it's another level. I'd never experienced anything like it. Yeah, I mean that really does turn uh, Calgary upside down when it comes in, and it is definitely uh, an event to kind of to see and just just partake in any sure. part of the city. It, it's happening all over, so I'm glad you got a chance to see it. And hopefully, for the people of Calgary uh, this summer, maybe that'll they'll get around and um, all the fans can start to see. That's the hope. Throughout COVID, we'll yeah. have another stampede here. That would be good. That's the hope. Excellent. And uh, last one before I let you go here, uh, free time. I know, like I say, you're coaching on the court quite a bit, but when you do have a bit of free, free well, time, what's uh, uh, something you like to do? Well, for a good part of like 10 years, I was I was competitive in a soccer league in Vancouver. Uh, since coming to Calgary, not so much. i just a little bit more weary of the body, et cetera. Um, so I love watching sports. Uh, we're lucky here in Calgary with the mountains being so close and some, some really incredible towns with, uh, with some nice walks around. I'm not a huge hiker. Uh, my, my, my wife sometimes wants me to be, but, uh, it's just not, not, not me, but, uh, one or two a year, uh, I, I enjoy doing for sure. And then I've just gotten into some, some winter sports like skating. It's pretty incredible. The lake right by our place here. You can go skating uh, throughout the whole winter on the lake. And uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Excellent. Well, I appreciate it. So that sounds good to you. I can say, yeah, there's a lot more chance to do some winter sports in Calgary than there are here in Vancouver. I mean, I know Vancouver, we've got the, the mountains and everything else, which is nice. But Calgary, you've got the foothills and the mountains that not too far. So, um, And you got that cold <laughs> weather, so you might as well do something. Outside. That's very true. You, uh, won't be doing much over the winter, right? So. There it is. All right. So, um, again, thanks, Gordon. Very much appreciate it. So, um, for everyone out there, again, um, Gordon Zovko is the head of high performance at the Austrian Victon Alberta Tennis Center in Calgary, Alberta. And I want to, I want to thank you for. Thank for you again for having me, Todd. It's, uh, it's been fun. Excellent. And again, for all you people out there looking for more information um, or want to check my website, it's tenniscoachtodd.com. That's tenniscoachtodd.com. And again, thanks to the people that helped me put this together. And like I said before in all my podcasts, this wouldn't be rather wouldn't be available without the help and support of Togar. Um, appreciate it so much. And again, once again, um, I hope everyone enjoys it. And if you have any questions, reach out and touch base with me. And um, until next time, take care.